Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for calling 911. Due to the defunding as a result of the marches against police brutality, there are no officers available to respond to your emergency. At the end of this message, please describe in detail why you are calling, and a member of our team will return your call within four to five business days. Our services now include social workers, therapists, and mediators. For example, if somebody is robbing your house, we will send out a mediator in four to five days to kindly ask them to stop. If this is a life-threatening emergency, please hang up and ask your higher being to help you.
But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life.
All right, welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the same time of show, and I am your host, Sonny Motherfucking T, bitch. If you want to call in on us now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's area code 607-203-5423. And some various social media. Um, that we're still doing fairly well on. We're on Winkin. Uh, we're actually starting to build up a fairly good presence on that, so thank you very much to those listeners uh, on the Winkin app, Telegram, at St. Thomas Show, um, at Resolution RDO, and on Getter at St. Thomas Show, on Parlor at St. Thomas Show, on Gab at Real St. Thomas, at Resolution RDO, and at St. Thomas Show. And yes, surprisingly, we're still on Twitter at the moment, at Sonny Thomas Show. So again, for the call in, it's area code 607-203-5423. So i got a lot of stuff I'm trying to cover here. Again, we've had a pretty interesting gap uh, since the last show on this one. Um, dealing with some technical difficulties. I'm waiting on some equipment to come in so I can kind of fix that. And um, it will be... Uh, hopefully remedied here uh, very shortly. So the good thing is um, we are upgrading some of our stuff as well as uh, changing headquarters and stuff. And so um, I've had a couple of new pieces of equipment. I've tried certain services, and I have not been as happy as I would like to have been. Uh, but nevertheless, still has some interesting stuff um, coming along with that. So it's just a matter of time before I'm able to get everything set the way I want and actually have it uh, work out okay. So um, let's see here. Um, Like I said, I'm trying to deal with this as I go. And we are definitely getting some interesting – feedback here, so I'm just trying to make sure everything works like it's actually supposed to, and uh, making sure that uh, everything works properly. Okay, so uh, we're going to cover a few things. We also have a special report from uh, uh, InfoWars featuring Greg Reese, um, covering the interesting death of Anne Heche, and... um, of course, uh, globalists always like to do interesting shit because they love numerology, and they will always fuck with shit uh, whenever given the opportunity. So I think that's actually pretty interesting. But, uh, wow, 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 where should I begin today? Well, like I said, if you follow us on uh, various social media, um, I do try to post uh, on many of those channels. Uh, I think the only one that gets a little bit short-changed sometimes is Parlor because I actually have to have a shortcut to go to it because, I, for whatever reason, I'm not able to download the app from their website. Um, so I use a shortcut. Plus, my phone's been acting up lately, so I've had to use more shortcuts to certain things as opposed to actual apps. And what I hate is every time you get a service now, you have to have an app to download shit. I mean, what pisses me off is I bought tickets for a show recently, and I had a, a screenshot of the confirmation number. You can clearly see the last four of my card, 
et cetera, et cetera, say, look, obviously I purchased tickets to go to the show. Um, it's like, wait, you just said, and I was like, oh, man, my phone's fucking up. I don't want to add another fucking app. So I re-downloaded the app. I managed to get it halfway through, then it kept fucking up. And then the door person actually told me, do you have the card that you used to buy the tickets? I said, absolutely. She was able to backtrace the transaction with my card right there on the spot and was able to grant me access. I'm like, wow, that's a time saver. So that was actually very cool. Sometimes you get some of those buildings and you just don't have good reception. And um, it'll take forever a day for even a page to load. You may have several more pages because you have to fill out all this information when you download these fucking apps. But I hate the fact everything has an app now. So it's not to be trusted. That's why I'm very leery of technology. Um, I'm very distrustful of a lot of it. That's why I don't like newer vehicles. I would not buy anything probably least past 2012, 2013. Um, because I remember when GM was first starting to push their um, OnStar program. Great, if you're having a heart attack or some shit, you can call OnStar. We'll call 911 for you. You know what? That being said, if I can't dial 911 myself on my phone, what makes you think I'm going to hit a fucking app button and say, hello, music called 911, I'm fucking dying of a heart attack. You know what I mean? I mean, bullshit. It actually is an extra step you don't need. But what they do is they use consumerism to get you to uh, approve of the soft tyranny, because that's what it is, the soft tyranny. And I've covered in the show many times on how um, they track a lot of your information. I've seen some documentaries about 10 years ago where um, I forgot the lady's name. She's a redhead. Um, she wrote the book Spy Chips. I actually need to sit down and go back to some of my old documentaries again because I haven't watched some of them in a while. But anyways, um, God, I forgot her name. It, she, anyway, she uh, she talked about how, like, the uh, those shoppers' rewards cards, especially for grocery stores, for example, um, they do keep that database on you. And what's really disturbing is is how it could affect someone. So let's say, for an example, um, um, I'm just trying to think of a situation that I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My buddy's, my buddy's mom is a perfect prime example. Okay. Prime example. Uh, a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine got laid off from work, and um, uh, he was having a hard time finding anything. Uh, this is obviously before the pandemic and all the, the, the stimulus and all the other bullshit. So this is probably about now. It's probably about three years Anyway, so he got laid off, and, uh, you know, money came and went really fast because for the beginning of the month, you know, paid his rent and everything else, and then he was tapped out. Um, so while he was doing his job search, his mom went to help him out a little bit. She went to the store and um, got about, oh, about probably about half a, half a grocery cart to a full grocery cart of uh, basic stuff as well as some meat so he can keep it in his freezer, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, other things, you know, a couple extra loads of bread, so you, you can freeze bread and stuff like that. So stuff that would last a while until he got back on his feet. And um, so she went and um, went to Kroger and bought, uh, you know, again, a whole grocery cart full of stuff because the figure might be off for a month and uh, loaded them up. It's good to go. Well, 
Interesting enough, she used the Kroger's shopper cart, got the points so she can um, actually put a little gas in his tank. But she already had a decent amount of points saved up anyways because she, she doesn't always use um, Kroger when he told me. But, you know, in other words, she doesn't go, go claim her fuel points as much. She does. She'll, like, right before it expires or whatever, she'll go ahead and maybe fill up the tank. But otherwise, she doesn't you know, make a big deal. She, she prefers other gas stations like Speedway, you know, because she likes, you know, getting the uh, – the coffees and cappuccinos. Anyway, so I've heard of this before, but actually that was a case study where it showed that it happened. Um, this particular lady, from my recall, she's in her she's in her mid late sixties, and I guess she had some issues with gout. And so you know, when people have gout and they eat um, a lot of meat, it inflames the gout, it gets worse. Because one of the things that you use to kind of ease the pains of gout is to drink uh, like a very concentrated cherry juice. And, uh, you know, some stores just don't carry it much anymore, so you have to go around and find it. But if you buy enough of it, they'll keep it stocked. Um, in some cases, if it's that much of a problem, you might want to have them sit there, order a case, and then just buy a case of it and, uh, you know, have it at the ready. But those are pretty good-sized jars. Some are like mason-sized jars. I mean, we're talking jugs. Like you get the big wild cherries in, but this actually has cherry juice. So anyways, it's about in the documentary that um, they do keep track of you on there and stuff. And um, it is connected to, like, health providers and shit. I kid you not. Again, this is like in 2010 when I first heard about this because uh, I've seen it on two documentaries. One of mine was called, was called Shadow Government, and there was another one. Anyway, she was talking about how it's just connected. Well, about six months to a year later, um, he said he was having a conversation with mom, and, and she was a little upset, and he asked what was wrong. He said he noticed that her health insurance premiums all of a sudden spiked. She couldn't figure out why. And then he mentioned it to me and said, dude, didn't you say your mom had gout? I was like, yeah. I said, didn't she buy a whole bunch of your food when you were off of work that time? He's like, yeah, she did. He's like, she buy you a bunch of meats? Yeah, she loaded me out with some pork and uh, a couple of uh, roasts and some other stuff so I can freeze. That way it would, it would be good for me and the wife for a while. He's like, I was like, that's why her insurance went up, man, because the fact that she's already got pegged for having gout. All of a sudden she's buying meat. It looks like she's buying it for herself because she's using her card to get the discounts. He's like, no shit. And I said, yeah, go watch that documentary, dude. And he watched it. So that's that's no joke, man. I, I know the fact that that's, that stuff's on there. Now, however, I can tell you one way how you can still get a discount. You won't get your fuel points, but you can get a discount, for example, like through Kroger uh, to get the yo tag price. Um, it's just whoever else might have that same general number <laughs> will get all the points instead. Uh, if you use your Speedy Rewards card, it's a general barcode on the back. It's something very specific. There's no PIN number. Um, you can use a speed rewards card and just glide it, you know, keep it, keep it cover your hand because they got so many cameras now watching all your shit. Just keep it on your hand and just glide it over the reader and it'll, it'll give you the discount. Now, whoever else has the thing is going to get, um, might get screwed because maybe you're buying all the meats and now their shit's going up. But if you want to have a little bit more anonymity with your purchase, that's one way to do it is use your speed rewards card instead of your Kroger Plus card. You'll still get the discount, but you won't get the dock. 
So I can kind of show years ago, and um, since you know that kind of came up fresh recently, I thought I'd bring that back up. But um, I thought that was a pretty interesting um, situation there. But there's a report I'm going to play by Greg Reese from Infowars talking about Ann Hayes, and also how it relates to Diana. And what's interesting is um, I'm really concerned about these interactive um, apps and protocols they put in on your phone, on your phone, by your car. Uh, it's become very um, interconnected. And I had seen cop shows from before where they had put starter kills in these cars that they set out purposely for um, car thieves to, to jack and drive off, think they're, they're getting away with it, especially if they're being chased by a cop. All of a sudden, they just uh, hit the thing, turns the fucking starter kill off or whatever, cuts off all the power, and guess what? Um, car dies, and the door's locked, so they can't get out. That's discerning, because the fact that um, um, that could also be considered entrapment, because of the fact that you actually baited that car to get someone in it to entrap them into a full Grand Theft Auto fucking charge. And it, it's like um, if you ever watch a WHIO uh, Channel 7 in Dayton, every now and then you hear about another sting operation uh, out in Xenia where they nab somebody for coming out trying to fucking uh, meet up with a 14-year-old girl and then at a park or some shit, and they got the cops ready, and they fucking handcuffed the guy. Okay? That's entrapment because of the fact that I don't care what the guy's persuasion is. Okay? People are going to have natural urges to do whatever. I'm not condoning it, but I'm just saying it's, it's out there. And you go and parade yourself and mask yourself as a 14-year-old teenage girl. And who knows whose image you're using? So now you're actually assuming someone's identity, which is also against the law because that's their copyright. Or even, let's say, even worse nowadays, they uh, fabricate somebody, you know, because they can do all that now with all the biometrics. They can fabricate a girl's face at 14 years of age. So it's not actually anyone's fucking actual picture. It's CGI, but they can make it look like an actual person, Okay. Go online, go in these chat rooms or whatever, and, and um, start talking to somebody and say, oh, hey, you, I really like you. Or you're kind of cute, blah, 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 you know, just that and the other. Because always hear chicks say, they, you know, I've heard a lot of women over the years say they prefer older men because they know what they want uh, as opposed to, you know, especially if a chick's like 24 to 32, they might date like a 45 to 55-year-old guy. Because of the fact that they know what they want, they're also a little bit more settled, um, or um, they definitely don't put up bullshit. You know, maybe they've gone through a marriage or two, maybe some breakups, and they're just uh, very cautious, or uh, maybe, you know, they just want this to work out because he's got himself a young piece of tail. I don't know, okay? But I have heard over the years a lot of chicks say they prefer older men because of the fact they know what they want. A lot of these younger guys don't give a fuck. They're not organized. They're not disciplined. And a lot of them, um, they just want to get the wick wet and, uh, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and they're out of there. Okay, so that's an issue in itself. So, but when you're masquerading as a 14-year-old girl and you lure a potential predator out to a park, I'm sorry, that's entrapment because you're not a 14-year-old girl. You're not a cop standing behind a 14-year-old girl using her as bait either. 
So any any good fucking defense attorney would know how to beat that. Now, again, I don't condone that type of behavior, but the bottom line is this. It's a sting operation. You purposely put that shit out there to lure people off of their, uh, you know, forbidden desires, okay? So point is, they can manipulate technology to make things happen. So what concerns me is when I read about Ann Hayes had, had died in this car crash or whatever, I was like, what the fuck? And the more you started reading in on it, and even on her Wikipedia page, it goes through a, a lot of detail. And a lot of people that interact with her just the day before or even within hours of the actual incident. Uh, and there's many doorbell uh, ringing cams showing her car flying through the neighborhood at a high rate of speed. I'm assuming probably at least 50 to 60 miles an hour in a residential, okay? Something's eventually going to fucking go. She's going to, the road's going to fucking turn or something, and you're going to lose control because obviously you don't have control of your vehicle. Um, so there's a very good possibility that when you start to find out some of the stuff that she was into, she just completed a movie uh, about chemtrails and was starting to promote it. And um, so conveniently how uh, all of a sudden fucking goes on the deep end and fucking just takes off and crashes into a fucking house, it, it, I think it caught on fire if I remember correctly. But anyways, they managed to get her out. She was apparently still alive. They had her legs strapped to the fucking gurney in like a fucking some sort of cloth bag or something, trying to make it look like she's already dead. But she actually sits up, trying to escape out of this fucking thing, and they just wrap and whisk her into the fucking ambulance, and then that's the last you see of her. And that supposedly she was a uh, she was an organ donor, and so they kept her alive for a few days uh, to see if there's any recipients that wanted shit because they claimed that her she was brain dead. So I'm like. There's just too many things about that story that did not compute. And the fact that he brought up um, the issue about, um, you know, there is a slight macabre fascination with celebrity deaths. I wouldn't say that necessarily, but, um, you know, in America, some of these celebrities we grew up with a good part of our lives. They become, uh, if they're musicians, they're oftentimes the soundtrack of our lives. Um, if they're actors, we grew up with them. I mean, it's just like with the, the baby boomer generation growing up with the Beatles. That's why the Beatles are so resonant with them and why they really felt the day the music died is when John got assassinated because, you know, there would never be a Beatles reunion. But that being said, um, you saw how these guys grew up, and a lot of them grew up with them. So um, it's often a lot of times with these um, boy bands or young artists that grew up with them and stuff, and they still listen to the music. And they oftentimes um, feel somewhat connected to them, you know. I enjoy a live performance. I, I love concerts, and I love to see a lot of my favorite bands, especially bands I've listened to since I was in junior high and high school. And I've had the opportunity to meet many of these rockers that I've admired over the years. And a good majority of them are really cool guys. matter of fact, they're just glad people still show up to their shows every day, and they're still doing concerts in their 50s and 60s, you know. And some of them are always ready to sign stuff because some of us are like collectors. We collect, uh, you know, rare imports and bootlegs and all sorts of stuff. Sometimes that's how these artists know their shit's being bootlegged because people bring shit to them and they can kind of maybe go after them for legal issues. That's always a possibility. 
But I know some people that live in other countries don't understand our fascination with celebrities. They don't understand why we, we put them up there. Some of that's by design because the culture engineers have created a thing where, like uh, Alan Watt had said, in the Soviet Union, they would create uh, cultural leaders. Leaders. Basically, these are people that you're supposed to kind of follow, look up to, and they're all controlled by the system. So it's not too much different today when it comes to actors. A lot of these actors are all controlled by Hollywood because if they don't play ball, they get black balls. It's that simple. Uh, just the other day, Alex said, I don't watch that. What's the name of that stupid fucking action figure? Deadpool. I, I don't watch that shit, dude. I mean, he's a smart ass, okay? Everything everything comes out of his fucking mouth in one line. It, it gets old, okay? And I see his little mask on fucking backs of cars everywhere. I'm like, okay, whatever. That's probably one of the Marvel films I have not followed at all. I have no interest in it. You know, I saw it at the tail end of Wolverine, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I, I'm just not into that shit. Just like the new Spider-Man films really suck. A good, I thought the Tobey Maguire films were actually pretty good, and I actually thought Kirsten Dunst as as uh, MJ was actually uh, a very good pick um, of the time. Not only that, but some of the actors that get to play some of the villains were fuck. I mean, oh god, was it that uh, was it Thomas Church? Uh, god, when they had him as the Sandman, dude. As soon as I saw him in that in the fucking striped shirt, I'm like, damn, there's the perfect fucking cast is Tom Church, man. Seriously, it's like, God damn, he looks like the same man, you know? Um, so, and, and I believe some actors are born to play certain roles. I'm, I'm sorry, but Schwarzenegger is always going to be Conan. No one else could fucking top him. Now, I've seen one of the remakes with um, Jason Momoa, and I'll say this. Um, I used to read Savage sort of Conan comic books for a long time. What's interesting about that is they were slightly off-size, bigger books, and they're exclusively black and white. They were never in color, and but it was really cool. But they had Momoa had the perfect look because he had a little bit darker complexion, the darker look on the eyes, and the square haircut that you typically see Conan wear in either some of the paintings featured on Ronnie Howard's book of his character or in Savage Sword of Conan. So I thought. Momoa had the look, but the, the the script was terrible. The acting was terrible. It just sucked. However, there was one characteristic in that film which matched the Conan character, especially in a comic book, is that uh, being Conan's a barbarian, um, and he's a fighter, and he's going to oftentimes use brute strength to fucking, um, or even fighting skill to beat his enemy. He's very distrustful of sorcery. And he doesn't uh, because of the fact that he can't run a sword through a fucking ghost. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he's he's very distrustful of that shit and, and doesn't like sorcery, which I think the Momoa film captured some of that. But I will say this. Schwarzenegger began his career, even though he already did Pumping Iron before that. He began his career with Conan. He should end it with Conan. Now, Dino De Laurentiis is dead, but... Um, his daughter is still alive, and I think the one producer, but I think John Millis just died recently. I'm not sure. Maybe he's still alive. But anyways, they need to do a third Conan film, which would perfectly fit 
the end pieces at the end of the film where it shows him sitting on a throne, bearded, all in furs, and said that King uh, Conan became king of Aquilonia by his own hand. Um, that's actually how Ronnie Howard uh, wrote him in the book, but he never killed the character off. That was interesting. He got restless. I think he had a son or something, and his son died or some shit was killed. I, I don't remember what the story was. But anyways, he was he was getting restless in his age. He he still wanted to do another adventure, so he sails off to the Black Isles and is never seen again. So Howard never officially killed his character off. He just poofed him. And according to myth, um, Ron E. Howard was actually very um, twisted. He actually felt that Conan was standing behind him with a fucking with an axe in his hand or whatever, ready to lob his fucking head off if he didn't fucking type those books out. I mean, he was, he was fucking insane, but he was frantically sitting there fucking typing the fucking, each page out of the book, just hoping it would peace Conan from not wanting him to cut his fucking head off. <laughs> kind of like Ernest Hemingway, right? So I was kind of like, what the fuck? So I that was a pretty interesting thing. It's almost like an Edgar Allan Poe type of situation going on there. With, with the pit and the pendulum or something. But anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. But Schwarzenegger needs to do a third film with as much of the original cast as possible because Mako's dead. Uh, what's the one guy? Jerry something. The guy that played um, a shit. Subutai. I'm sure that guy's got to be in his 70s by now. I mean, he could have a whole other adventure, but it would be kind of cool if he could have one or two of his companions. I mean, obviously, you know, what's-her-face is a ghost. I actually saw a picture of her not too long ago. She actually didn't look that bad. But um, um, I think it would be kind of cool to end the series. Not that, but for marketing value. I mean, there's a there's a dual film out. you got Conan, The Complete Quest, and, and what's sort of like a faux leather-bound fucking package. It would be cool if they did Conan the Conqueror um, and Schwarzenegger do it and shows him becoming king of Aquilonia and age him a little bit more and then go to the point near the end where he decides to go off on one more adventure and poof, rides off the sun, in, into the sunset and never see it. That would actually be a fitting way for Schwarzenegger to properly end his career, per se, because of the fact that he's already had a quadruple bypass and um, uh, plus some other... Uh, issues going on, things. Plus the fact that politically he's 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 not worth anything, and he's really shown he's a piece of shit. So he needs to do a couple of last fucking roles that made him famous and called. Uh, I'm surprised he never did a second Predator film, just to show that you know obviously he had encountered the Predator before, and so you would think if another Predator had came, that somehow they would track Dutch down and you know get information, even if you just did a cameo, you know, like I fucked one of these things before, I'm not fucking them again, <laughs> yeah, some stupid shit, you asshole, <laughs> it could be something crazy like that, so but anyways, um, okay, so I'm going to play the clip from Greg Reese from InfoWars, and um, and so you'll be able to Check this out. And 
not launching. Here we go. Here's a clip from uh, Greg Reese from InfoWars. God is dying in rituals and the death of Anne Heche. I'm playing fucking ads. There we go. Celia Barber points out how the mass media tradition of obsessing over the deaths of celebrities has been absent since 2021 as a clear tactic to deflect mass death by COVID shots. And the death of Anne Heche marks a return to this mainstream media tradition. And the whole story is very strange. Just before the crash, Heche visited the glass hair design salon in Venice and purchased a red wig, where she posed for a picture with the salon's owner, who did not notice her to be impaired in any way. Minutes later, Heche crashed into an apartment complex where residents tried helping her out of the vehicle before the car was put in reverse and sped off. Videos then show her car recklessly speeding down a residential street and nearly hitting a pedestrian. She then hits a car before finally crashing the Mini Cooper into a house where it bursts into flames. But this is where the story gets really strange. While being carried to the ambulance, we see that her legs are secured. She is covered in what looks like a cloth body bag. We are told that she couldn't breathe, and yet they covered her face. And the reason these details were noticed is because we see her become fully conscious while frantically trying to escape the body bag and leg straps. Nothing was reported about this, and Hayes' former boyfriend said that Anne was stable and expected to pull through. But then we are told she is in a coma. And then we are told that while her heart is still beating, she's legally dead, according to California law. But she will be kept on life support for possible organ donation. And then, right in the middle of the ancient three-day festival to honor the goddess Diana, known as Demoralia, they pulled a plug on Anne and let her die. This is quite similar to what happened in Paris 25 years ago on the satanic inverted Demoralia. August 31st, when Princess Diana was looked after as she bled to death in a tunnel dedicated to the goddess Diana. Many believe that Princess Diana was about to expose the royal family, and Anne Heche, who recently starred in a movie exposing chemtrails, was currently promoting her most recent film that was exposing the horrors of child sex trafficking. Child sex trafficking, along with all human trafficking, is the biggest business world. The slavery business is at an all-time high, and the thugs who run it are known for their satanic rituals. Ritual murders have always been, at a base level, a form of crowd control. The Anne Hayes story has caused many to look back into the mysterious death of Michael Hastings. Journalist Michael Hastings had just published a story for Rolling Stone that resulted in the resignation of commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan and was working on a story of CIA director John Brennan. The day before he died, Hastings emailed friends to warn them that the feds were interviewing his close friends and associates, 
and told them he was on to a big story. They needed to go off the radar for a bit. And early the next morning, Hastings' silver Mercedes hit a palm tree and exploded, somehow launching the engine block 60 yards away from the car. Former counterterrorism czar Richard Clark told the Huffington Post that Hastings' crash was consistent with a car cyber attack and that intelligence agencies or major powers are able to remotely seize control of a person's vehicle. He added that if there was a cyber attack on Hastings' car, whoever did it would probably get away with it. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Thank you for watching the latest Greg Reese Report. Be sure to go to ReeseReport.com to see my latest videos. Okay, so that's a clip from Greg Reese. Um, it, like I said, I am very distrustful of a lot of these newer cars. Besides the fact that it's getting harder and harder to work on, you have to take damn near the whole, there's like a, almost like a fascia over the top of the engine on a lot of these vehicles. You have to take all that shit off, even do something as simple as replacing your alternator. Another problem is with some of these newer vehicles, um, you can't jumpstart another vehicle. They um, don't make it easy to have access to the battery. So what the hell do you do when you're the one that needs to jump, you know? So many of these, uh, like if you buy a Cadillac, some of these SUVs and shit, you know, they got these, you know, uh, you know, $1,000 tires and wheels and shit or, uh, and on your towing packages, where they got some crazy shit going on, and uh, just realize, you know, not that, but the whole display is basically like one big cell phone. So, for example, if you buy the car, let's say eight, ten years down the road, that thing has a glitch, it goes out, you're fucked. So, it'll run you a thousand dollars just to fucking replace that, and at today's dollars. How much is it going to be in 10 years? Are those parts even going to be available? You know, because it used to be for a long time, GM uh, car manufacturers have to manufacture a car for at least two years before they make any changes. And the parts have to be in circulation by the automaker for up to 10 years. Now, after that, then you can sell um, those uh, parts because there, there's copyrights and stuff on them. Um, so you can sell those to third parties. For example, obviously GM doesn't make, you know, 69 Firebirds anymore, but there's a lot of uh, uh, replica uh, body companies that make the parts for that vehicle. So you can go make the hoods, the doors, the fenders, whatever you need. And those are available because uh, they're basically licensed through um, the, in this case, General Motors. So that way enthusiasts can still get parts for their cars and stuff and be able to do all that stuff. But my biggest issue is I'm very distrustful of technology. I prefer driving older vehicles because they're easy to work on. In some cases, the emissions are very, very easy to work on. Some of these older uh, GM vehicles and um, some Fords are actually, depending what year, late 90s or late 80s, early 90s, mid-90s, 
Um, oftentimes, they're very simple emission systems. Most of them are still vacuum hoses, um, things of that nature. So they're easy to repair and to maintain. Um, some of them are still carbureted. You know, they have a TBI. So, I mean, you have types of ways to, uh, you know, keep your vehicle going and stuff. And, again, obviously, shade tree mechanics. I mean, we might want to fix a few things. We've got a car we have sitting in the garage, maybe just tinker on, whatever the case may be. But these newer vehicles, man, you can't do anything with them. I mean, be quite honest, with the way this shit is set up nowadays, which I think is actually leading more into Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, is they're wanting to take away car ownership. Essentially, they've already done that because of the fact that um, it, it doesn't behoove you to purchase a new car anymore. I mean, how many times you go buy a car and you get a fucking recall on something, you know? I, I, I dated a gal 20, 25 years ago who had just bought a brand-new uh, Chevy Cavalier, okay? Uh, she put a down payment on it and uh, uh, drove it not even four months after she had it. She already had a recall. Actually, her, her windshield wiper motor went out, and she had a recall on some uh, sensor or something on the transmission, and something else fucked up. I forget what it was. You know, Cavaliers have always been junk anyways. It says something about these damn unions when you have a car that costs six thousand dollars and it costs you twenty four thousand. There's a fucking problem, you know. So um, those are just some interesting things there. But uh, at least you can still tinker on those cars a little bit. Or when you become second or third party owners, it's easy to you know do a valve job on it or um, place a starter, whatever the case may be. It's a lot easier to fucking. Now some of them are really fucked up. I mean. The Cavalier and the Sunfire are basically the same vehicles. However, there's a big difference. The um, the oil filter is different on both those vehicles. Even though they're the same chassis, essentially the same motor, if I remember correctly, the Cavalier's oil filter is more toward the back, so it's easy to reach up there and just unscrew it and pull it out. But the Sunfires are more off to the passenger side, up near the strut. So I remember correctly, I used to work at a at an oil change place years and years ago, and just trying to get up in there, you can barely get a fucking uh, oil filter wrench even in there. It's one of those cases where you literally have to use the screwdriver and a hammer thing, tap a hole in that fucker just to kind of get a, a little turn on it, maybe do it a second time to break it loose, and then you can, but you can barely get your hand up there and barely get like an eighth of a turn. So I remember it was a pain in the ass. I'm like, fuck, I wouldn't want one of these. Now, Maybe if there is a different way to do it, maybe you can go through the dust shield on the side. Uh, maybe if you're, you know, looking at it straight up from underneath, maybe it's easier to get to. But I can tell you from experience that thing is paying the fucking ass. But, again, I don't trust these new vehicles because, like the said, they could be hacked. Look at having a Paul Walker. I think it's kind of interesting. The Fast and Furious star was riding with his buddy in a, was it a Maserati? Or his Lamborghini. I, I forget anyways. It, it was pretty, pretty expensive, um, you know, spiffy car. But anyways, um, I, from the story that I heard, he found out through his uh, his nonprofit organization because he was using some of his millions he made off of Fast and Furious to help um, buy food to feed certain countries or some shit. Um, he found out that uh, the food was never getting sent. But they were stealing his money, using it for something else. And then uh, he and his buddy, who was also his partner in his racing team company, um, were actually on their way 
to uh, get ready to make a public statement, probably get with an attorney, double-check certain things, then do a public statement about it. And then conveniently, the car all of a sudden accelerates at top rate speed through the streets of L.A. and then crashes into a, a palm tree and into a wall and instantly bursts into flames. And within a matter of 20 to 30 seconds, uh, kill Paul Walker if he didn't already have a serious injury from the actual impact because I believe the car flipped at least two or three times. So I heard he was a little, he was pretty fucked up, but the fire finished him off. But uh, his daughter obviously made, got a lot of money from that. But, so her, her future is taken care of. But you know what I'm saying. We, what, that sends a message to celebrities that we make you, we can break you. So that's why a lot of these celebrities oftentimes sound like commies because they've basically been told, unlike Hollywood of the 1940s, which is a lot more conservative back then, you have to be a, a hardcore left-wing kook. And if you're an up-and-coming actress and you didn't get on the casting couch with Weinstein, you weren't getting roles. And there were some prominent actresses who really struggled to make it for themselves. Some of them were just headstrong enough. They fucking persevered. But uh, when they showed a gallery of a who's who of Hollywood's leading ladies that Weinstein had gotten on the, on the casting couch, you're like, holy shit. I know one of them that basically come to go fucking fuck himself was uh, Rose McGowan, which I thought was interesting. The one-time future was almost Mr. Brian, uh, Brian Warren, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> so um, I thought that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, they showed some of the chicks that he got around with. Boy, he tell you what, boy, he got them all before they became somebody. I thought that was pretty interesting. But, you know, again, um, you hear stories all the time. Young, young kid child stars, for example, uh, Corey Feldman had come out and talked about um, a lot of stuff that happened to him as well as his good friend Corey Haynes. Uh, he did allude that actually Charles Sheen was one of the ones that did attack Corey Haynes uh, when he was, he was still a child. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me. Charles Sheen's a little fucking whacked anyways. But that being said, um, by the time he did The Lost Boys, he was already having a serious coke habit because of the fact that he was using a coke to dull the psychological trauma that he suffered from the abuse uh, of being, you know, raped. And... Um, you always heard him at, you know, at parties and stuff, always fucked up and shit, and then his career went down the toilet. Uh, but with then Corey Feldman came and helped him, and they had the Corys. They had that little reality show there for a little while, which kind of got him back up. And then they went to do a new Boss Boys film, and by then, Corey Haynes started getting back on the sauce again. And uh, he was so fucked up that they, he couldn't even do the lines, so they fired him. And I guess he, he was really depressed after that, and he overdosed, supposedly. Now, the question is, did he maybe meet some of the producers that caused him some of the shit in the first place? A lot of times when they have a, a, a follow-up to a movie, a classic film sometimes, they try to get some of the original crew together so they can try to capture some of that uh, magic again. And who knows, maybe the director, maybe the uh, the producer, hell, even maybe one of the cameramen fucking was brought back in and it made him relapse uh, and just kind of made him, started remembering all that shit, and he started numbing himself with drugs. I mean, hear stories about this shit all the time. But the thing that gets me is is that um, uh, 
Feldman actually was wanting to put out a, a full documentary on, on the situation. He wanted to get up money so he could broadcast on national television, but he knew that probably wasn't going to happen. But he was going to try to get actual natural, national distribution. And he laid out a specific business plan. He says, I need this X amount of millions of dollars because this is how much it costs to make it, edit it, promote it, distribute it, everything. I mean, he lists basically a complete business plan exactly step-by-step how much much money he was going to need to make this documentary and then try to get it on a cable network or something. That didn't happen. So he managed to make the film with the limited budget he got. I know I sent him 100 bucks. I've always liked Corey Feldman, and I think the guy is pretty brave because he's talked about how he's been uh, uh, he's been targeted. Um, he, he'd be crossing the street and shit. Someone's trying to run him over, all sorts of shit. So he has to pay for security system, you know, security guards to fucking go around with him and stuff, all sorts of shit. So I'm sure, and plus he's got a family, so he has the family to protect too. So that's an issue. But um, without actually coming out fully saying who it was that not only did him, but Corey Hayne, um, you know, somewhere online, he did say it was Charlie Sheen that had done something to Corey Hayne at one time. So, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Charlie hasn't had anything to say about that. Maybe because he knows he got caught and he ain't going to say shit, you know. He's just being, you know, mum is the word. But you hear stories all the time about these child stories. As a matter of fact, even Britney Spears, that was one of her marketing strategies, is, is uh, even though she was very provocative, she was marketed as a perpetual virgin when actually it wasn't the case. When she was on the Mickey Mouse Club, apparently one of the producers or something did get a hold of her and, and did shit with her. So I'm assuming it wasn't just, you know, a little, little touchy-feely or maybe even a fucking, you know, head job. I'm assuming at some particular point there was full penetration going on. So who knows? Um, but... Brittany had always played that. And, and you see it psychologically, historically, a lot of actresses that wind up in porn have actually are because they're victims of sexual assault themselves, usually by family members or boyfriends, other mothers. Hell, even Tracy Lords. Tracy Lords was, you know, she's gorgeous when she was a fucking teenager. I mean, she was a fully figured woman. And uh, my, remember, from my understanding, she ran off with her mom's boyfriend or something. And he got her into porn, and she did. She got a fake ID and all that shit. And I said, how many films she did as a teenager? Um, and, and I had seen ads over the years where they had all of her films. Of course, the last film she did was Tracy, I Love You. That's when she was legal. She was 18. And, God, I remember seeing that in high school. <laughs> it, was, it was really not that great, but, you know, it's just the fact that she made a name for herself. Dude, she was like the highest paid porn actress out there. I mean, she really said, you want me to make this shit? You want me to do this? Blah, blah, blah. I want, she was getting paid like a thousand dollars a fucking bid, dude. Back in the mid-1980s, that was a lot of money. Most of these chicks, if they're lucky, got a hundred bucks. Okay? She was clocking at least a thousand dollars minimum in her early performances, and was even going up much higher. And, of course, uh, you know, she was a minor the whole time until it finally came out. And uh, I think some of the studios that that they try to take them to court over is like, hey, man, she showed us ID. She had a fake ID. I didn't know. She's a fully figured woman. I mean, what the fuck? She said she just turned 18. 
She turned 18, her ID said it. What do I do, have a fucking scanner? I mean, this has been 1980s, dude. So, I mean, I, I had a girlfriend that bragged about how they had a fake ID as they would get in clubs back in the early mid-80s, you know? They would take, like, their sister's information and, and go get their picture taken and have a fake ID made with their sister's information and was able to get in clubs when they were, like, 15, 16 years old, but they were full-figured enough they looked like they were already fucking, you know, because back until it was 1985, you could go into a bar at 18. I think 1985 is when they uh, made it 21 and up. But, again, I don't understand that. I could go join the Army at 18, put a gun in my hand, and go fucking kill people in a foreign place. But I can't go into a fucking bar and have a beer. But I can vote. Yeah. we we got certain stages where we say there are certain things you can and cannot do at certain ages. Like, you can get a, a moped license, I think, at 14, 14 and a half. You can get a worker's permit to have a job at 15 and a half. Um, there's something else you can do. Oh, 16 is what, age of consent? And that's a really gray area, that being said. And then, of course, 18. Now, 16 and 17, if you do a heinous crime, you can be tried as an adult. Um, obviously, 18, you can join the military, you can vote, and you have to register for selective service. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, actually, it just reminded me of that. I worked at a job a number of years ago where a guy um, was retired military. I think he did. I think he did like 24 years in the Air Force or something. And he said he got he got a phone call out of the blue one day from Selective Service, and said, uh, "Oh God, what was his name? What did you say his name was Miller? Mr. Miller, um, um, we noticed that you never signed up for Selective Service." He's like, "He's like, well, I joined the Air Force when I was 17." I did 24 years. Does that count for anything? He's like, absolutely, sir. No problem. Sorry to have wasted your time. Have a good day. So I think he fucking, you know, took care of that, you know. But nowadays, you can't pull that shit. You can't sit there and, and, and try to fudge your age and shit like that, you know. You can't be no fucking Steve Rogers and try to join when you're a little wimpy motherfucker try to, you know, fight the evil Nazis. And get turned down because you're you're a fucking you wuss. Then they give you a, a turn into a mutant and shit and turn into Captain America. So interesting shit though. What's interesting is is that Chris Evans's portrayal of Captain America, especially in some of the Avenger films, um, really encapsulated Captain America and who he was, especially in the time period in which he was created. Completely the opposite of Chris Evans. Chris Evans is a piece of shit liberal motherfucker. He's damn near a socialist. So it's like, wow, what a tool. And I've only seen him in a couple of films since the Captain American stuff. I, I'll be quite honest. Uh, his career is probably fucked. So it may be years before he actually starts getting prominent roles again, but be quite honest, um, I don't have any use for the guy. You know, sometimes some of these celebrities – that plays so many different actors. You don't know who they are anymore. I mean, I, I'll give you this. I'm not a Johnny Depp fan, but I will say this. That guy is a master at playing roles. I've seen him in so many different characters and characters of fucking people in, over his career. I mean, and, and you know what? Even though his face is recognizable, especially some of the characters he's played within the last 20 years, such as Captain Jack Sparrow, but comes the character each film. It's like, 
you look at William Shatner, and it's hard to ever watch him in any of the roles except as Captain Kirk. I mean, he made that much of a fucking prominence in that role. That's what made him an icon. Okay? He's as believable as T.J. Hooker, and as well as uh, the, the attorney on Boston Legal. But um, he will always be Captain Kirk. I mean, he's, he's just that much of an icon. Whereas Johnny Depp, you know, we, a lot of us first noticed him when he was on 21 Jump Street. Then he left and was replaced by Richard Grieco. Where's Richard Grieco? You don't see that fucker anymore. He's even, I've seen him a couple of B-movies. But Johnny Depp is a major name. But look at all the weird characters he's played. I've never watched it. I think it looks stupid. But Edward Scissorhands, who would come up with that fucking shit? You know, doing Willy Wonkin or Chaka Factory? Some of his other roles. I just saw from with uh, from Hell the other night, and I have to say he was very believable as a um, a an English police inspector. Again, you for, he's he gets so immersed into the role, you forget he's played all these other roles. One of my favorite films that he's in is Black Mass, where he plays Whitey Bulger. Wow, especially the dinner scene where he's calling all dude out for fucking uh, you know uh, for talking and or giving out secrets and shit. That was probably a highlight of the film. But uh, he, he goes through such a transformation with some of his characters. <clears throat> and Whitey Bulger, I mean, he, they really thinned his hair out and grade him so he looked like Whitey Bulger. But yet, he's created such an icon with, with Captain Jack. It's just kind of like, but he's milked the shit out of it, too. So I think he's, he's signed another contract to do another fucking Pirates movie. I don't know. But the last couple have really sucked. And it's like, dude, what's the point? They're terrible. The first one was great. Second one's okay. Third one, eh, not so much. You know, I think he kind of ran, but literally the it, his, the wind ran out of his sails. I mean, it's just like, he's basically dead in the water. Ah, but you have heard of me. <laughs> yes. So, and of course, with the shit going on with his ex-wife in the court, the meme that was going on says, I can't wait till he wins this case. And he says, this is the one time you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> that would have been fucking awesome, dude. That would have been awesome. Just like when Schwarzenegger was running for governor, he said, they, were doing, they uh, did a mock interview with him. And they said, um, basically, they would ask him questions, and all of his responses were like one-liners out of his films. What do you think about Al-Qaeda and terrorism? If it bleeds, we can kill it. Oh, it's like, well, if you have a successful term, do you think you're going to run for re-election? I'll be back. Or it's like, um, you said something a little off-color, I'm like, fuck you, asshole. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> fucking, just some crazy shit, man, you know? Uh, it is actually pretty funny shit. But anyway, so... My biggest concern is technology is not to be trusted. I mean, you know, NSA monitors every keystroke, every voice print, everything. I mean, they can take your shit and actually – we saw it when they are making fake Bin Laden videos. I mean, people were fucking analyzing the shit. And he goes, dude, this guy had been dead for years because of the fact that sometimes when they show images of him, it's like he keeps having the same background, and they would just manipulate his mouth. I mean, look at video games now. You see a commercial for a video game, dude. It's getting so realistic, the move, the movements, even the facial expressions, that I'm telling you, within 10, 15 years, um, there won't be no Johnny Depp's. There won't be any Arnold Schwarzeneggers. 
It'll be a CGI creation from someone from fucking Pixar. I'm telling you, it's coming, which means you don't have to pay them multi-million dollars. You don't have to have these huge budgets just to pay for the actor. I mean, how many of some of the Star Trek films suck because of the fact that the actor's salaries took away from the uh, monies for the special effects? Star Trek Five ring a bell, buddy? So, I mean, you know, that's a serious issue is that you listen to music these days. You listen to a lot of pop music, it sucks. Especially when it comes to female voices, a lot of them are synthesized or they use modulators. I mean, ever since Cher used that damn modulator back in Believe album in 1999, Every fucking artist has to use now. Janet Jackson, I can't even tell you what her, what her voice sounds like anymore. All For You, I think, was like the last song I actually heard her sing with her natural voice. Everything after that, she sounds like every other fucking synthetic singer out there, which is another reason why she doesn't have a career anymore. I don't see her touring. I don't see her doing anything. She's Janet Jackson. She's a member of one of the greatest entertainment families of the fucking last half century, but yet she doesn't tour anymore. You know, I saw Janet '93. She put on a great fucking show, dude, at the Nutter Center in Dayton. Janet is definitely a Jackson, okay. And I arguably say when I saw Britney Spears in um, 2001, it was almost like seeing Janet Jackson. I mean, costume changes, the stage sets, the choreography, all that shit. And you have to appreciate the amount of work and dedication it goes to get every move just right, have everything down. It takes a lot of work. I mean, I had won tickets on a whim in 1999 to see Ricky Martin playing at the U.S. Bank Arena in Cincinnati. It just so happened to fucking be that caller and, and, and got the ticket. I was like, cool. Jessica Simpson was the opening act. It was her first tour. Her first album came out. <clears throat> she apologized because after each song, she's guzzling down water because she had strep throat real bad. But you couldn't tell by the way she sang, dude. She gave her all. I was so impressed I went out and bought the album Sweet Kisses the next day, and it's very pop, overproduced bullshit, a lot of samples. But you could tell she had talent as a singer, and I think her, some of her follow-up albums are much better produced, much better produced. But you see that with a lot of artists. They'll, they'll, they'll put them on, on a shitty first album, and then they might put a little more money in a second. I mean, you look at Tupac. You look at the first two Tupac albums, Tupacalypse Now and... Um, uh, straight up for my niggas. It's very overproduced. It well as far as lots of loops and samples stolen from other artists. You can hear he he's definitely can flow, and he definitely is socially aware about many topics. But it wasn't until he did All Eyes on Me and he got with Dr. Dre that was the missing element, and he recorded that double album right before he went to jail. Two months, three months, six months. I don't know how long he's in there. But anyways, uh, that album is phenomenal. I mean, I still listen to a lot of shit on it today, like, you know, Picture Me Rolling and, and Can't See Me and shit like that. It still sounds good, and that came out in, like, 1995, 1996, somewhere in there. There's 94. I don't remember. But anyways, mid-'90s. But uh, Tupac is one of the artists that definitely was unique. He, he, was a, he, he, he burned bright when he was here, just like Jimi Hendrix, and then poof, he's gone. So you don't see artists like that anymore much. They're way overproduced. They're crap. Like I said, you listen to a lot of pop music these days. It is terrible. If the music itself doesn't suck, it's the voice. And what gets me is these fuckers think they can actually sing. A lot of them are tone deaf, and 
just because they can hold a, a moderate note, they think that it, it, that you would normally hear in a pop song, they think that that works. But then they try to have these stupid oh, 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 fucking shit. I mean, especially some of these black singers, they act like they try to be soulful and they can't sing a fucking lick. They're terrible. It's not like the Commodores, man. You could go back and listen to their albums from the 70s, dude, and you go, God damn, this shit's still fucking good. Not all that, but they had a huge talent in Lionel Richie. The guy was a gifted songwriter, not a bad singer in his own right, but dude, they had a lot of fucking funk, man. They had some really great sound and shit that still sounds great today. There's Wind and Fire. You can really hear the jazz influence in them, and they had a brass section that was to die for, especially a real let them rip. Phil Collins loved them so much that he made a point when he did his solo albums, he always wanted to include horns in there, and that's because he was a big Earth, Wind, and Fire. Phil and Phil Bailey did Easy Lover together and had a huge hit. A lot of people was like, who the fuck is Phil Bailey? Duh, the higher-end voice of fucking Earth, Wind, and Fire, dude. But even towns like Maurice White, yeah, the leader and the main singer of Earth, Wind, and Fire, you'll never see that shit again. You'll never see artists like that. Too many times now when groups come out, especially if it's a, a boy band, as they call it, I don't know why they call them bands because they don't play instruments, okay? They probably play with their one instrument, the skin flute, and that's it. But the point is, um, they're not boy bands. They're, they're groups. And as soon as they come out, prime example, NSYNC, everybody tries to find out which one's the leader. Which one's got the most talent? And so they can hurry up and pluck him away from the rest of the group, which end up being Justin Timberlake. Okay? Um, prime example, the Beatles. When the Beatles came out, it, what was unique about them is that each one of them had something different that the others didn't have. And John was the smart Beatle. Paul was the, was, the, was the cute Beatle. George was the quiet Beatle, which they said was completely contradictory to that because they said if anyone in the band knew it, George would never shut the fuck up. So why they call him the quiet Beatle was completely – and then, of course, there's Ringo, who's got the cool name, I'm Ringo Starr, and, and he's the unloved, you know, he's and with that fucking nose of his. I mean, but, uh, but it gave them a magical element, which many groups try to emulate later on. I mean, Kiss is a prime example. Even Gene Simmons says, we want to be heavy metal Beatles. And that's exactly what they were. Um, they had a persona you could not match. I mean, Paul Stanley's the star child, the rock star supreme. Gene Simmons is the demon. Ace Frehley's a spaceman from Jindel. <laughs> and Peter Chris was the cat man. I mean, who's living on his nine lives, which wasn't too far from the truth because it's all about the drugs and alcohol he was telling. But the bottom line is, Again, they captured some of that same the Beatles had where each member was unique and when eventually started all singing, um, they gave them a full overall band feel, just like the Beatles. And then when they did the solo albums, they gave an opportunity for each artist to kind of stand out a little bit on their own. But Gene Simmons' albums was a disappointment. Pierce wasn't bad, but if we didn't have a Kiss logo on it, it would have been an R&B, um, uh, an R&B masterpiece. And Ace just, by the time he had just started singing and took off the Shock Me and Rocket Ride, it was like, boom, he had a whole album of badass songs, and it sold the best. And, of course, Paul's album 
is he's uh, he captures the essence of the band. When you listen to Paul's album, it sounds like Kiss. So that was the things that made those enriching. But by then, they're so overly, overly saturated in marketing that they came on too much too fast, and they started to, uh, to kind of collapse on their own weight. Then they come back with the Dynasty album, which was half-assed. You would think after four successful solo albums, they would have uh, brought great ideas together or even some leftover shit from their albums that they didn't use and come out with a solid album. Dynasty isn't bad, but the, you could tell the band was falling apart because Peter was wanting to have his producer on it. So Gene Paul said, okay, okay, we'll use Vinny, we'll use Vinny Poncia. We'll have him produce the record. And people chastise him for the disco song. Actually, it's still a badass song. When it still gets on the air today, people listen to it. They still jam to it. It's like, do you think I'm sexy by Rod Stewart? It's a disco song. It will never go out of fashion. It's always a fucking great jam. And I think, have you ever heard the Vulting Cox's version of Do You Think I'm Sexy? That's badass. <laughs> That's a side project from the guy from Ministry. But, uh, yeah, his version of Do You Think I'm Sexy is pretty cool. He kind of talks like this throughout the whole song. You know, it's like, it's like, Oh, baby, why don't you give me a buck so I can buy a rubber? <laughs> but it's got a kick-ass beat to it and shit. I mean, dude, it's the Revolting Cox. It's a side project of ministry. You expect nothing less. But I like that. When you take a song and kind of make it your own, Poison doing Your Mama Don't Dance, it, it's a fucking Logins to Messina song, dude, but they poisoned it. They made that their song. The Golden Earrings, uh, Radar Love, great fucking song, badass, never gets old. I thought White Lion's version of it blew it away by a fucking mile, man. The musicianship on that record is badass on Radar Love. And if anything, I always wish Mike Tramp would have done a cop, uh, a version of Red Rider's uh, Lunatic Fringe because he sounds a lot like that singer. I think he could have pulled it off. Um but, you know, again, White Lion are, will never fucking be back together again. I guess Vito Barada is finally starting to give interviews again, um, kind of talking about shit. But every time that Mike tries to say anything about White Lion, Vito fucking sues his ass over the name. So you've had James Lorenzo and the guy in the band, just not Vito. You know, Vito will sue their ass. But anyway, okay, so the title of the show tonight is Rise Up. Uh, step up or get stomped on. Uh, I was listening to Jones a lot the last couple of days. Some of his guests he's had on have been pretty powerful. And um, there's a lady that, that does Z Media, which is in um, Australia, talking about the former penal colony turning into a complete penal colony against his own people. And Bill Seaton basically built fucking tournament camps everywhere. Um, and they're getting ready to fucking just lock it down again. Two things we see is coming up. One is, Gerald Salente has talked about um, as a trends researcher, he sees that there's going to be a serious collapse starting in September, which means it's going to go right into the midterms. Now, that could be a good thing for Republicans because, in fact, that means they can get a lot more seats, especially at the Mar-a-Lago raid. Um, a lot of, uh, so I would say, Trumpians are fucking winning 
victories, and Liz Cheney definitely got defeated in a huge fucking landslide, um, and rightly so. So it shows that the Bush-era rhino neocon Republicans are done. They have no fucking foothold in the Republican Party anymore. That era of quote-unquote Republicanism is done. It's gone. You won't see any more Barry Goldwaters, but I would like to see more Ron Pauls. But the few that you see, like Thomas Massey and a few others. Now, however, there's a guy named uh, Anthony uh, Sabatini in Florida that was on Jones the other day. And he's, he's actually a uh, elected state rep in Florida, and he's come out um, calling for the actual abolishment of the FBI, which I totally support. I've actually hashtagged that myself, talking about it off and on over the years. If you really knew who J. Edgar Hoover was and what he did, he was the most powerful man in the United States, not the president. J. Edgar Hoover was because he had uh, dirty dossiers on everybody kept in a, in a, in a safe he had everybody tracked and traced and bugged and everything else, so he knew what was going on. And you see a lot of these politicians, when they get in the office, they, they preach one thing but end up going the other way once they get in because they get in there, maybe they get a, a taste of the money, and they get corrupted. Or, hell, something as simple as um, I'm having lunch with my intern who I think has is, you know, is, is got a bright mind and maybe she's got great ideas. But just the fact that I'm in – the subway cafeteria, or the cafeteria, but restaurants in D.C. You've been, you know, they got they got restaurants down there, just like a shopping mall. You dinner, you basically having lunch with your intern, and they try to make it look like you're doing shit. And with video manipulation these days, they can actually make it look like you're sitting closer to her, or your hand look like it went closer to her, and all you're doing is pointing at a book. I mean, it is completely platonic and professional. But they're making it look like, oh, next thing you know, you got photos sent to your fucking wife. You're like, oh, so he's having lunch with Sarah. Oh, what the fuck? Really? I mean, in many of these cases, especially in Congress, a lot of these congressmen rely on their uh, staff and interns because some of these bills that they put out are so fucking big. You almost have to divide this shit up into sections and give it to your staff and interns so they can fucking at least distill it down for you. Maybe understand the legalese or um, give you options of how to fucking fight it or to add to it. <laughs> because like Ron Paul said, as fast as the Patriot Act come out, you can tell they've been planning this shit for a while. So there's no way in hell they just came up with this shit. They've had to come up with ideas and just decided to go and uh, put it forward. So... The bottom line is they're trying to take out Alex Jones, and I've stated many times on this thing. You have to make sure Andrew Anglin or Alex Jones goes down, that's it. There is no more free speech in America because the fact that those two main websites, even though they're completely polar opposites, the bottom line is is that either one of them go down, no one's safe. And we saw Tim Pool, he's actually been SWAT teamed live on air, dude, not once. Not twice, thrice. That tells you something, dude. So that's a serious situation, and I think people really need to um, uh, be concerned that. But the more of us step up, they're turning to like whack-a-mole. And the more of us that pop up, they can't whack us all at once. So instead of going up and attacking the Capitol on January 6th, we should have been attacking the Federal Reserve 
and demand them to be abolished and that the IRS is abolished because they're training they're training a fucking federal army to be able to invade your house at any given time over a supposed tax issue. Oh, you didn't dot a T. You didn't cross an I. Wait a minute. You said that opposite. Uh, yeah, because I cross T's and dot I's, dude. So, but, I mean, they can come up with bizarre world shit, and what are you going to do about it? Nothing. So all I can say is be prepared because these fuckers are coming for you, and they're training these fuckers to go into your house, terrorize your family, or even kill your dog. So you don't want a John Wick situation where they go and break in your house and kill your fucking dog, man, because I'll tell you what, some of these guys are John Wicks, and they're going to fucking clean house, all of you, out of his house. And more power to you. Yeah. So um, we need to rise up. You need to step up or get stomped out. Do your own podcast. Get on other shows. Talk to people. Get a network. Spend your waking hours doing research. Get all the information you can. Tell your fans, friendly fan, fans. Well, that too. I've had fans to talk to me. Friends, families, and neighbors because of the fact that, um, you know, I mean, I've had people come up to me when I've gone to some of these public events, like when I was in Charlottesville and someone asked if I was Sonny Thomas, I said, depending on who's asking. And the guy told me I, I was a major inspiration for him. I'm like, I appreciate that, dude. I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just a dude that uh, is just standing up and calling out the shit. So I have my own way of doing it. And I don't give a fuck what people think. If you like it, you tune in. If not, you tune out. It's that simple. You know? Fan puts out a record I don't like. I don't say, oh, that band should break up. Fuck those guys. No, I just don't buy their albums. I don't go to their concerts. Someone like Kevin Cronin from REO is a far-left-wing socialist piece of shit who likes to fat-shame his fans. Okay, the guy's like probably like 70 years old. He's up there like, what's with all these fat girls in my fucking concerts? Really, dude? Really? You know, bands of that era, you know what the average age I see are? 55 to 65 that show up at their concerts. Not 25-year-olds, 55-year-olds. And you're going to fat shame these people? Dude, fuck off. You know? I won't waste money to see REO. Fuck those guys. And sticks isn't sticks without Dennis DeYoung, man. I don't care how hard Lawrence Gawain tries. He's a hired hand. He's a poser. Great that James and, and Tommy are still there. And Chuck pops his nose in for a couple of songs. But the bottom line is, without Dennis DeYoung, there is no sticks. Because he's the showman. He's the voice of their only number one hit, Babe. And no one can ever take that away from him. You know, they had a lot of top ten hits and everything else and the other. Um, it's Dennis. And now that he's a founding member when they were still Trade Wins 4 or TW4 before they called themselves Sticks. So, hello, and it was his ballad lady that got the radio attention that got them signed to A&M. So, yeah, Dennis belongs in sticks. So y'all need to get your stupid shit together. I know he's a prima donna sometimes. And even in his own band, he's got two guitarists that look just like fucking James and Tommy. <laughs> yeah, they're dead ringers. But he is the showman. He's 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 the MC on a lot of things. Plus, he is Mr. Roboto. Don't got to Mr. Roboto. So anyway, okay. So I just wanted to um, 
cover some of that shit, but um, I am getting some technical stuff finalized, get some new devices sent in. There's a little bit of an issue going on in the mail right now. I've got to get all that shit straightened out. But hopefully by next week, um, everything will be better. Things will be also be more higher, higher fidelity, and um, um, we'll be able to get more of the programs back up on there um, on Resolution Radio. So I do want to thank my Russian listeners. Almost 15% of our listening base is from Russia. So thank you very much, whomever you are. We're also getting a lot of uh, listeners from Finland. And um, at least last time I looked, I saw some listeners uh, in Deutschland. Oh, oh yeah, it was uh, Estonia. Thank you, some Estonia. And we're still getting some uh, listener bases in South Africa. So thank you very much for tuning in and uh, listening to the broadcast of either my show or one of the other programs. Good news is um, I'll have another show that's going to fill one of the spots probably on Sunday. And I'm looking to add one more to have a complete lineup of shows seven nights a week again. So, uh, opening song tonight was Rise Up by Testament. When I say rise up, you say war. When I say rise up, you say war. Rise up, war. So, uh, you need to step up now or you're going to get stomped out later. Because these fuckers are coming for the jugular, and they're going to take you out. I don't know about you, but better dead than red, man. I'd rather uh, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. And I know many of us feel that way. As a matter of fact, one of the things they're talking about is the fact that uh, China is buying up a lot of farmland near strategic military bases. This is very interesting. Ron Paul actually did a very excellent video years ago situation. Uh, see if I can find it play it real quick. It was a what if thing. And someone took that speech and uh, actually um, made a cool little word video of it. And it was a, a what if uh, China invaded Texas. And I thought, wow, what a hell of a scenario. So let me see if I can find it here real quick and play it for you. Called Ron Paul had armed Chinese troops in Texas. It was a very powerful uh, video clip.
fight them off in defense of our soil and sovereignty because leadership and government refused or were unable to do so. Imagine that those Americans were labeled terrorists or insurgents for their defensive actions and recently killed or captured or tortured by the foreign troops on our land. Imagine that the occupier's attitude was that they just killed enough Americans and the resistance would stop. But instead, for every American killed, ten more would pick up arms against them, resulting in perpetual bloodshed. Imagine if most of the citizens of the foreign land also wanted these troops to return home. Imagine if they elected a leader who promised to bring them home and put an end to the horror. Imagine if that we had changed. The reality is that our military presence on foreign soil is offensive to the people that live there. And far from Chinese troops would be if they were stationed in the Texas. Shutting down the military bases and taking to deal with other nations. Threats of violence is not isolation as it is the opposite. Opening ourselves up to friendship. Honest trade and diplomacy is the foreign policy of peace and prosperity. It is the only foreign policy that will not bankrupt us in the short order, and our current actions most definitely will. I share the disappointment of the American people with the foreign policy rhetoric coming from the administration. The sad thing is, our foreign policy will change eventually, as Ronald said. When all budgetary and monetary cuts to budget are exhausted. Click here to learn how Ron Paul is America's strongest presidential candidate on national defense. Or get involved and click here to learn how to register to vote in two. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty good clip there. Um, so the one I heard originally was actually the rational Ron Paul speech that he spoke in Congress. But that's a, a great ad. So it's true. I mean, if would you know, just like the same thing with Robert E. Lee. Think of Seward to fucking um, to be the leader of the Union forces. Lee thought about it for a couple minutes and just said, "No, I, I have to say no to you, sir." And it's like, "Why?" He's like, "Virginia is my home. It's my country, sir. You're asking me to raise arms." Raise a sword to my friends, my family, my neighbors. I know these people. I've lived and uh, talked with them. I've dined with them. I've shared many great moments with them. I cannot do that. These are my people. These are these are Virginians. And we've lost a lot of that. We've lost that that sense of purpose, that belonging to something that's special. Each state, especially in those days, it's all the start of as colonies. When it became states, they were very special. And new states came came along. I mean, I'm a proud Buckeye, man. I've got everything but the fucking Ohio flag actually tattooed on me somewhere. But I'm just saying, um, if I was governor or something, I would always ask, well, is it good for Ohioans? If so, I'm for it. If not, get it the fuck out of here. I would also I would set up like a Texas Ranger type of force to make sure that any type of federal intervention has to, has to be approved by my office. And most of the time, it would be a resounding no, like get the fuck out of my state. If I even find you in my state, especially on duty, I will have you arrested, and I will have you thrown in the fucking brick. That's just the way it is. As far as I'm concerned, you're an intruder, and you're basically – 
to my sovereignty by even being here. You watch the two FBI shows, uh, FBI and FBI International, because they play it back-to-back, especially International one. I sat there and watched that show not too long ago. I went out with my folks, and I go, you know, I love how they could just go into any fucking country and go after somebody. Who, who the fuck are these guys? They're not an international police force. They could just walk into fucking Prague and go, oh, we're going to go find this guy. I'm like, dude, first of all, you need to declare yourself before you come walking into my country, especially with one of my own citizens. I'm going to be like, no, nah, dude, you get the fuck out of here with that shit. I don't give a damn if, if the guy is an own drug dealer. You don't just waltz into my fucking country, go into my fucking capital and go find this guy and shoot up the whole goddamn place trying to get him. No, it ain't happened, dude. We need to have that attitude in the states. We need to say succinctly, if you come into my state without proper business and credentials and state exactly why you're here, I would have you arrested in my office immediately. That's that simple. Because I would see you as a foreign entity coming into my fucking state trying to stir up trouble. And and, and I actually asked a cop that once. Cop pulled me over in Indiana. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Your legislature produces laws and stuff, right? Yeah, but those are laws for Indianians. How does that apply to me? I'm an Ohioan, dude. I'm from the great sovereign state of Ohio. How do your laws fucking... You know, rely on me. As soon as I said sovereign, he puts his hand on his pistol because he thought I meant I was a sovereign citizen. I'm like, dude, I am a citizen of my state. How in the fuck does your law actually apply to me? They should reply to only to the citizenry of Indiana or, you know, again, that's my biggest issue. So extradition between the states, you know, that's a big thing now. Used to be back in the day, if you did something, you just don't go back to that state again. You better never go back because there'll always be a warrant for you. But there's supposed to be a statute of limitations on warrants. That they took that away, so that's an issue in of itself. My biggest issue is the states need to start reasserting the sovereignty. Um, what Doug Ducey's doing in Arizona with by taking the, the cargo containers and filling in holes where the fence uh, has got holes in it is great. Apparently, a whole bunch of them got toppled over. Dude, don't tell me that shit just got blown over by the wind. Those things weigh over 8,800 pounds apiece. There's no fucking way that damn thing got blown over, you know? Like he said, a Ford F-50 probably weighs about that much, and we have a lot of windstorms in here, and they don't get blown around. How the fuck is a big cargo container going to just topple over like that? Bullshit. Someone used a fucking forklift and fucking lifted the shit is what it is. So, you know, and, and I wish Abbott was doing more in Texas, but I don't think he's as good as he should be. Whereas DeSantis, that guy's playing the house. This guy is definitely brewing himself for a future presidential run. Now, right now, he's focusing on his second term as governor of Florida, and he needs to focus on that and not even think about political uh, aspirations beyond that. Because otherwise, he's going to look like John Casey. If he's asking the people of Florida to elect him for a second term, then he has an obligation to the people of Florida. I don't care if Trump runs and says, I want the census as my running mate. He should respectfully decline, just like Robert E. Lee said. They said, look, sorry, I can't do that. 
unlike Pence, I am the executive officer of my state that elected me. Now, after my term's up, if someone wanted to fucking draft me, if I wasn't running for president, then uh, we could talk about that. But another caller called in Jones uh, yesterday said the same thing I've been saying for months. He's going to run. He has to pick Marjorie Taylor Greene as his running mate. They are scared of her like you cannot imagine. So nothing's going to happen to DeSantis. Plus, he's got the women vote covered with her because she's a little badass. Let me tell you what, that is an unbeatable ticket. That will have almost the same effect as Reagan in 1984 beating Mondale, if not close to Nixon in 72. So I seriously think that if that does happen, uh, DeSantis needs to pick Marjorie Taylor Greene as his running mate. He cannot lose. She is a pistol, and she is ready to fire. <laughs> Just take aim, baby. Got a problem with the border? Send MTG down there. She'll take care of that shit, unlike Kamala, Camelotel hairless. So, I mean, you know, that, that chick is fucking, she's not even a character group, dude. She's an absolute embarrassment. Embarrassment. And someone had brought up the fact that technically since she's Jamaican, she wasn't born in Jamaican, but she, her father is, that under their constitution, she has dual citizenship right off the bat. So she was completely ineligible to even run as vice president's candidate, much less run for, her, for herself and then got picked by good old uh, Beijing Joe there. Oh, China Joe! So um, Nixon always said, make sure you get a really bad running mate because of the fact that it appreciates your chances of survival. <laughs> That's why Bill Clinton took Al Gore. Nobody wanted that motherfucker for president. Nobody wanted Dick Cheney for president either. So, I mean, you know, Darth Vader, really? Anyway, all right, so we've got a lot of things coming up with uh, Resolution Radio. Uh, We're going to get a lot of the shows back up on par here shortly. Um, I have got one of my computers completely fixed. Um, We've got some other connections that are uh, coming in. So we much have much better clarity, and um, I'm looking at adding, if not one, but two shows for a full lineup here next week or so. So I'm hoping by after uh, Labor Day, Resolution Radio will be not only back up to um, um, back up to full time, but uh, full power. So I'm very much looking forward to that as well. And if you think you've got what it takes to do your own show, make sure you contact me. You can reach me through Gab um, or through Telegram, and uh, if you think you got what it takes and you got something you want to say, you know, give me a shout. Let's talk shop because, in fact, I'm trying to get original people to come on and do their own programs, and some have actually gone on and uh, came on as guests, guest hosted, really liked what they did, and started their own podcast. So if I could be a launching platform for some people, you know, it's like Phil Lynott was asked once in an interview um, after Finn Lizzy split, he says, uh, what do you think is your legacy? He said, I want Finn Lizzy to remember for its guitarists. And they are remembered for their guitarists, that's for sure. So pretty good stuff there. All right, salam to mom, and uh, we will catch you next week because we'll be back on a, a regular schedule. Thank <clears throat>
and uh, we should have everything up and running here very shortly. And we should be back up to full force in no time at all. Okay, so Salanchama, and we will catch you next week. Salute. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. You're home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character, where educating both hearts and minds brings about academic excellence. There is a school in American Fork where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. Based on LDS principles and a love of country, now in our 39th year, American Heritage School is accepting fall enrollment for kindergarten through high school. What would you do for your child? Give them an education that will prepare them for life. Located east of the Temple in American Fork, American Heritage School is a remarkable and affordable alternative. Visit us, find us online, or in the yellow pages. American Heritage School in American Fork. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people please visit www.tightrope.cc. The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people. But one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elite's dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. 
TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by First Class Mail are only $60 a year. Go to TOQonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's TOQonline.com. Subscribe now. Are you worried about America? Do you fear the power of the Obama brigades to take away your rights? The Obama presidency is the most radical left-wing administration in American history. Our constitutional liberties are in danger. What can you do? Join the Council of Conservative Citizens. For over 20 years, the CFCC has fought for the rights and ideals of the European American majority. The CFCC has won legal and political battles to protect your heritage and your liberties. The CFCC advocates strong state governments over the power of Washington, D.C. to rule your life. The CFCC believes in an American-first foreign and domestic policy which opposes globalism and one-world government. The CFCC advocates racial integrity as God's natural order. Visit our website today at www.cfcc.org and join fellow European Americans in the fight for our people. Restore the Republic, the social network for the modern revolutionary. Activating the silent masses into action. At RestoreTheRepublic.net, we're seizing power from the globalist world controllers and handing it back to the people. RestoreTheRepublic.net, where patriots rally on the objective. The Liberty Bell tolls once again for a movement on the rise. Make RestoreTheRepublic.net your place to unify and activate the revolution.